don't matter what your name is Share your story, we'll be waiting Call, uh, 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 yeah, for the haters, whoa How about I sing the intro? So that we can... <laughs> Wait, can you sing? No. Oh. When, when I picked her up, though, like, she didn't even say hello. It was just like, for the haters. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Um, what's up, guys? And welcome back to For the Haters podcast. Uh, for those of you that are new here, my name is Becky. I am your host. Um, we also have Laura, who is our co-founder and writer. What's up? That sounded low, didn't it? I'm yeah. telling you, I think there's something wrong with my mic. You want to try that again? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then today we have a special guest, Christina. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, Becky is usually the one to say this, but I will this time. This is my friend yeah. that we're finally having on, on an episode, so welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Excited to have you. Excited to be here. I'm excited to pick your brain. Um, we, I'm excited for the end because we do this new thing mm-hmm. that we allow people to ask questions. And I was reading through the questions before, and there's some really good ones. Oh, I didn't know people were going to ask questions. Quite yeah. a bit. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Audience questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you want to go ahead and kind of just introduce yourself and talk mm-hmm. about yourself and, you know, why you're here and why you wanted to come on. Okay. Well, again, my name is Christina. Um, I am here to talk about anxiety and depression, but mostly anxiety. Um, I've been dealing with anxiety probably my entire life, um, but I, I wasn't aware of it really until I was an adult. Um, so I'm here to tell my story and share some ideas about how I cope with anxiety day to day. Where does uh, where does your story start? Um, probably my freshman year of college when I knew or like recognize that I had really bad anxiety. Um, and Laura was there through everything with me. (laughs) Um, I had just moved away to college. I only went to school maybe an hour and a half from my house. Um, but I also went with, um, at the time my high school sweetheart and going to college with him, we were kind of like broken up at that time, but we were still very close friends. Um, and it was really like a blessing and a curse at the same time because we got to college. Um, here I am thinking he's my support and then we break up like two months into college. So then I feel like so lonely and like I had no one. And that was when I first started having panic attacks and I realized that I had really bad anxiety. I would be up all night. Um, at one point I, I was up in the middle of the night in college and I literally thought I was having a heart attack. Like I was like, I have to call my mom and go to the hospital because I'm going, I'm having a heart attack, but it was really panic attacks. And, um, so yeah, I just started having anxiety daily, all day, every day. Um, my freshman year of college was really rough for me. I pretty much anxiety, had terrible anxiety every day that year. So it was, it was really tough for me that year. Was, was the anxiety based on the situation with your boyfriend? Was it school? Was it combination of almost everything? So at the time I thought it was just my boyfriend, like, and that's how I kind of wanted to like play it off. Like I was like, Oh, I'm just really upset because I lost my boyfriend. Um, but after looking back on it and kind of like thinking about it a lot, I realized it was much deeper than that. I mean, I was alone in college. Like everybody feels that way when they move away to college, you know, it's uncomfortable. You're on your own for your first time. So 
being away from home and losing that comfort of home, plus dealing with a breakup, all the things combined um, kind of just caused me to have all these anxiety issues then. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I I obviously was around for this time period. um, And I I don't even know if I realized at the time or if if any of our other friends or or your family had realized how bad it actually was. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what what was the inciting incident that year? Like, what was it that night that you, you know, wanted to call your mom and say, hey, take me to the hospital? Or, or was it, like, when did you really decide that this was something that was afflicting you to the point where you needed to sort of course correct? Yeah. I think it was that night, actually. Because okay. I remember my parents were visiting me in college that weekend. It was family weekend. And... um I don't know. That was like kind of the weekend that we really broke up and broke it off. And I think that was the night. And I went to my mom the next morning because my mom was my biggest support and still is to this day. And I kind of went to her and I would tell her everything, how I felt and whatnot. And that's when she was like, Christina, you've got to do something about this. Like you're a mess. You're emotional. You're, you know, and it was more than just a breakup. She was like, this is really impacting you day to day. Like I wouldn't want to leave my dorm room at times. Um, I wouldn't want to go out with friends. I would kind of just like keep to myself in my room. And that's when she was like, you really should go talk to somebody because college is the best place to do it for some people because the counseling center at most universities are free. Mm. So it's like free help right there. So I was like, you need to go talk to somebody. And I finally was just like, I guess I should. Um, So that's when I started. I went to the counseling center and I started seeing a therapist there. It's crazy that um, that you took such ownership and responsibility so early. I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people kind of put off with it, you know, quite a bit longer because they don't realize the impact mm-hmm. that it's already making. Yeah. And for you to recognize that, you know, so young and when it all started happening, you know, really, be- I'm sure, benefited you mm-hmm. in the long run of things. Yeah, it definitely did. And I have my mom to thank for that because... She really was the one who advocated that for me. I mean, she herself has dealt with anxiety and depression her entire life as well. So she knew the signs in it. Um, She knew, like, she looked at me and she was like, that was me when I was your age. Like, I was exactly the same way. So she kind of was the one to really push me to do it. I mean, it took me a couple months, I would say. And again, looking back on it now, I probably had anxiety, like, my entire life. Mm -hmm. So... Then when I was in college and I realized it was impacting me day to day, like not wanting to socialize, not wanting to go out, you know, I kind of told myself, like, I got to step it up here and do something for myself because I didn't like the way I was feeling either. Like I had no appetite. I was losing weight. I was sad all the time. Like I could cry literally within a second of like looking at something, looking at someone thinking about something, you know, it was just, it was really unhealthy how I was feeling. So Mm. I was tired all the time. Um... So yeah, I just, I was tired of feeling that way, I think. And I kind of was like, I have to move on with whatever it is that's impacting me at the time. Like like I said, I thought it was my breakup. So I was like, I have to move on from this breakup. Like I won't let this define me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of pushed myself to do it and my mom as well. I'm glad that you, you've mentioned your mom um, before I, I got a chance to actually. <laughs> shout out to Mama, Mama Dixon if you're, if you're listening. Um, you know, you, you cite her as being a huge support, but but also having dealt with that herself. Mm-hmm. And I think that anxiety and depression, you know, I, I think it's it's sort of lost, they're lost concepts on people because is it biological? Is it chemical? Is it emotional? Like nobody really has the answers to this. Um, but what in your mom's experience is it like? And and in, in 
your experience, I guess it's a, it's a twofold question. Was it like nature or more nurture for you? Like growing up with a mother that was afflicted by the, yeah, you're like, you're <laughs> laughing big, right no, now. No, it's a big question. It's yeah. a good one. Thank you. Um, I I've think, studied this for a little right. bit. Well, I'm just I, think, I feel like it's a little bit of both. I do think there's a genetic component to it. Um, I also think that like when you're pregnant and you have anxiety and you have that baby inside of you, you that's going to the baby, you know, that stress on the baby. So right there from the time before I was born, I was exposed to anxiety. Um, and my mom, hers looks a little bit different than mine. Everyone's anxiety, depression looks a little bit different than each other's. Um, hers is a little bit more depression based in my opinion. Um, and I think she'd agree with me. Um, <laughs> but we, gotta, we gotta get her on. Yeah. <laughs> she'd be a great one to have on here. Um, yeah. So I think hers is a little bit more depression based. Um, whereas mine's more anxiety driven. Um, but, and again, I think that's just how we were. But yeah, definitely through nurture. Like I saw that growing up and I saw that in my teens and as an adult. And even now, you know, I see my mom has gone through a lot in her life as well um, between losing her parents, taking care of both of them, being an only child and going through that on her own was really rough for her. So I've seen her go through a lot. Um and a lot of the things that she has had anxiety about, I have had anxiety about. Um, and we'll get into that, obviously, too. But yeah, so it definitely is a lot of nurture um, in nature combined because, you know, I'm being exposed to it. But then also, you know, I was kind of predisposed to it before I was even born. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a little bit of everything. And then I think for some people in this world, it's just their experiences in life and it's an emotional reaction to things, you know. And it comes and goes throughout my life and everyone else's life, you know something big happens to us, we have more anxiety. Something, you know, small might happen and it causes huge anxiety. It just depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I feel like it just changes. Um, it's always ongoing and changing as it goes on. It's so thought provoking. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I, I mean, I just thought about like myself growing up and I, I don't ever remember my mom being an anxious person, but um, and I don't think that I was even an like an anxious person until I started dating until I like started being in love dating. I should yeah. say I dated, I dated guys for a little bit. <laughs> and there was no like real love there. So it didn't matter. Did you think you were invincible dating men? You were like, I don't understand any of these. Why are all my female friends like <laughs> so what devastated? Are what are these feelings they're talking about? Um, but that, it, I mean, it's, thought-provoking to see where it, you know those mm-hmm. the triggers and what it you know, what it stems from I would have never even thought to think that there could be some type of learned mm-hmm. you know process of sure, it which is yeah. so which is so true yeah definitely yeah um what uh, you had mentioned something about um talking more about your mother you just said I forget Oh, talk like how we're similar with our anxieties. Yeah. yeah. Or both huge hypochondriacs. And for everyone who doesn't know, it's like when you have a fear of like that something is medically or health related wrong to you that you could have every medical issue in the world. And I'm probably a very mild hypochondriac. There's definitely varying things. Mm -hmm. Um, But my mom and I are both. So if we have a sore throat, we immediately think that we have like, I don't know, esophageal cancer or something, you know, like, so we, we both are like that though. And I think it's just both that what we've been exposed to throughout of our life. Um, my mom has worked in the medical field, but she's experienced, you know, sickness within her parents and, um, our family. And then I have worked in a, um, skilled nursing facility or like a nursing home for my first job. And 
being exposed to that, like really just made me aware of all the things in the world. Like I had, you know, my grandparents were sick and I've lost them, but being around it day to day really Mm -hmm. impacted me. Um, so I, it was my first job. I worked there for a year and a half or two years almost with my internship when I first graduated, um, school and I had never been around sick people like daily like that. That was a lot for me. Um, and learning about new diseases and things, I think just kind of changed my mindset about stuff. Like, um, it just made me think more about what medical issues and how it can impact your life and whatnot. So that definitely brought a lot of anxiety on for me working that job. Um, I loved it to death. I loved working with my patients, but it was very sad for me. And I eventually had to quit because I just couldn't do it anymore. It was just so sad seeing people, um, you know, I saw people die. I, you know, and I dreamt about them. I would have dreams about my patients coming to me in my yeah. sleep. Yeah. It was, so, and some of them, you know, unfortunately were my, like my mom's age. Like I saw these women come in and they had strokes or they had, um, brain tumors. And I was just like, Oh my God, this could be my parents. You know, this could be me one day. And seeing that day to day and watching them pass away, like killed me. And I'm just so emotionally connected to people like everyone in my life, but relatable. And, yeah. <laughs> and so you see these people and it just, it killed me also, you know, I, um, you know, like I said, I had grandparents who were sick and I was so close with my grandparents. And again, losing them brought on a lot of, a lot of anxiety too. But like, I would look at these patients and I would see my grandparents and it just would like kill me being there every day, watching them, you know, again, pass away, be sick. You know, for the people who were able to go home, it was great. It felt so good being able to help them um, and to get them to go back home. But um, for the people who unfortunately couldn't, it was just really hard for me. And like I said before, when you're in college, I feel like you're people think you know, we're invincible to the world. Like we're untouchable. We smoke, we drink, we do stupid shit and we don't, can I curse on you? (laughs) Every single person I think think I'm acting like I'm still in college based on the (laughs) rundown. But that's, you know, everyone kind of goes to that phase and then we hit the real world and it's like a big shock for us. And I think it just hit me really hard. Like I had never, you know, met anyone with like terminal metastatic cancer and Mm -hmm. metastatic cancer basically means that it can travel from one place in the body to the next. Like that's terrifying to think of that. And I was 23 and I'm like looking at these people and they're like 55 and that was my parents. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so scary. And so it's just, you know, it was really hard for me. And again, seeing people who were like my grandparents too, that was really hard too. Like seeing people, my Nana had, um, dementia and seeing people with dementia really impacted me too, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, so it was just really tough to do all that. Like I said, I'd never been exposed to those types of terminal cancers or exposed to people who had AIDS. And I met people, you know, I had patients who had AIDS and it was really hard. People had heart attacks. Um, I had this one patient, he was like 45. He was working on wall street, walking through Manhattan. He had a big fat heart attack and it caused a blood clot to go to his brain. He had a stroke and he was, you know, essentially brain dead and he eventually went to hospice and um you know later on passed away but you know it's just so sad how like things could change so it really just opened my eyes to the world how like literally in a second things can change Mm -hmm. um so that really just brought on like hypochondria for me i was like oh my god like i could get sick tomorrow you know my parents could get sick tomorrow um you know, my mom is very good with like talking me off the ledge. Like I'll call her and I'll be like, mom, I have a headache. I, you know, I have a brain tumor or something. (laughs) Um, and she's like, you don't, you know, you know, she talks me down from it all the time. Um, but it's, it was definitely really hard for me working there and seeing it every day, like right in front of my face. And, um, I think this is such an interesting concept though, because like (laughs) 
it it reinforces the fact that there's a a, a fine line between empathy and anxiety mm -hmm. right because you could be working there for two years and instead of feeling everything you're feeling you could become desensitized mm -hmm. to what you're seeing and suddenly death doesn't has the have the profound impact that right. it, it might instead you're internalizing this you're applying it to your own life and it's it's creating intense intense anxiety yeah. and hypochondria and I, I don't know, you know, how many people kind of realize that it's it's very closely related to one another. They are. And I think with me, like, because well, I've been my therapist, um, who I've been seeing now for a long time. We're big proponents of therapy. Yes. <laughs> um, but she she's like, you're a very empathetic person, but you almost take it on as like your own. Um and so she was like, you know, you kind of like take whatever someone's going through and like you relate it to yourself. So like, again, if somebody was losing their parent, like a patient of mine, like I would think about that myself. I put in my shoes and I would go home every night and just be so mentally drained and exhausted. I would just, in me, I'd be home at like eight o'clock at night. I would just go to sleep and just sleep all night, be still be exhausted the next morning, go to work, come home. Like I really wouldn't go out on weekends because I would just be so mentally drained mm -hmm. from seeing this and being exposed to it and dealing with it every day. Um, I give people a lot of credit who deal with that every day, like the nursing staff that was there and doctors and people who worked really a lot closer than the patient side of like, and then all over the medical community. Like I give them so much credit because it really takes a certain person to be able to like desensitize themselves and disattach. But mm -hmm. I just know I'm not one of those people, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> a learned process. Yeah, definitely is. Um, you, you talk about in that sense that you had dealt with different types of anxiety that mm -hmm. you hadn't previously dealt with. Mm -hmm. So if you could kind of talk to, you know, obviously you started to deal with your anxiety your mm -hmm. freshman year of college, mm -hmm. but it kind of seems like there was different stages that came and it was never something that you exactly, you know, I don't want to say you didn't handle, but mm -hmm. like it was just different stages of life that it would bring different things and you would have to resurface and re, you know, figure out how to handle the anxiety. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, freshman year of college, I started seeing someone in the counseling center at my school. Um, I saw them for, I think the entire year. And then I came home that summer and I, my mom really encouraged me to continue with therapy. So I found someone in my, um, Props to your mom. I know she's so good. Yeah. <laughs> she really is my biggest <laughs> supporter. So she encouraged me to see someone at home. Um, so I continued to see somebody at home that I had found, but then I went back to school that next year and I did not continue therapy. Um, I don't really remember why I think I was just feeling better. And I, cause I, I won't lie. My first year of college, when I would go, I was so embarrassed. I didn't tell anybody cause I felt so ashamed. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of my anxiety. I feel very shameful about things. So like the fact that I had to go to therapy, I felt so much shame for, which now I know I don't need to, I'm a big proponent of, and I tell everybody, <laughs> I'm like, my therapist is like one of my best friends. Um, but back then, you know, I was so ashamed of it. So I just didn't continue my sophomore year and I was feeling better. And then I didn't really continue therapy until I graduated. I moved back home and, um, and then I was working my first job and then I started feeling intense anxiety again. Cause again, my anxiety was kind of always up and down. Um, and it really came out with my big life changes. So moving away to school, um, breaking up with my boyfriend at the time, big anxiety, moving back home, um, starting a new job, big anxiety. So whenever I have a big change, it really comes through that. So when I moved back home, 
Um, I started having really intense anxiety, hypochondria. Um, so my mom, again, she, I remember exactly, I was sitting on her bed with her. I was on my laptop, WebMDing every disease <laughs> that I could think I had at the time, which I didn't. And she was like, you need to go see somebody. And I had thought about myself. I was like, I really should go talk to somebody because I just knew I wasn't feeling my best and I wasn't giving my all at work. And I would just, you know, so she was like, you really should look into it. I was like, I'm going to. So again, I found another therapist um, who I now I've been seeing since then. So it's been, that was in 2014 that I graduated. Five years, six years? Five or six <clears> years, <throat> yeah, that I've been seeing her now. Um, so yeah, so I started seeing her once a week. Um, and I have been going to her for, like I said, since then, ever since then, about once a week or once every other week, I usually go to her now. Um, but yeah, so like with those big life changes is when I would do that. So yeah, I started going to therapy again. And um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, okay. Um, it, it's so it's anxiety is such a crazy topic because um, <laughs> because it, it hits people differently mm-hmm. and and for you you know you had that type of anxiety that was crippling you know mm-hmm. you didn't want to leave your room you didn't want to socialize mm-hmm. and you know for others it's maybe hyper the other way like going out all the time like not being able to focus um and it's important to know you know to the people that are listening that you know it doesn't matter which scale of the spectrum of the anxiety spectrum that you're on that there's ways to cope with different things and one thing that works for one person might not work for the other but there are different um you know coping mechanisms that are possible and Therapy is definitely, oh, definitely, definitely helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, with that, some people, and this is interesting for me because I've heard such horror stories about the process of finding it out, figuring it out, um, but you do take medicine yourself, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, if you could talk about the process of finding, you know, the right one, if, that, if it was a bad process for you, mm-hmm. the things that you've had to overcome with it. It actually wasn't a super hard process for me, luckily. Um, but so basically, I, it was a very slow process into it. And again, it came with big life changes. Um, so I didn't start taking like a daily medicine until just about a year and a half ago. Um, so it's crazy to think that I dealt with anxiety for 10 years before I started taking medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started taking like um, Xanax basically as needed. My doctor gave it to me um, because this is one of the things we want to talk about. Um, my family was going on a trip um, to London, which I was so grateful to be going on. But at the time I was having terrible, terrible anxiety and I had terrible anxiety about traveling. So mm-hmm. before we left, my mom was like, you might want to go to the doctor and get some medicine <laughs> because I was having such fear about going out of the country. It was when a lot of the stuff, um, I mean, still we're still unfortunately having really bad things in our world going on right now, mm-hmm. but I just remember a lot of things were happening in Europe. So the fact that I was traveling to Europe gave me so much anxiety, like for my life. Like I was fearful of flying and going there and um, being there. So before I left, I went to my doctor and she prescribed me Xanax. So I took that as needed. So I took it when I was flying because I could not fly on the plane without it. And then I actually ended up taking it every day while I was there to sleep because the first night we were in, um, we went to London. The first night we were there, I didn't sleep at all. I was up the entire night and I was just having these like perseverating thoughts. That's what my anxiety was at that time. Like perseverating thoughts about the same thing over and over. Like what if a bomb scare happened? What if gun shooting something? Mm -hmm. So I took, I took the Xanax every night while I was there. And then I continued to take the Xanax, especially when I would travel like flights. 
I can attest uh, to that. Yes, so you were there <laughs> for one of them. Um, so I did that for a short period of time. Um, and like I said, I took it as needed. But then not until about a year and a half ago, um, I still was having anxiety, like fluctuating, like I said. Um, but then I said to myself, like, I'm tired of feeling this way. Like I was like, and my mom has taken medicine for probably... 20 something years now. So she was again, a big proponent and supporter of that. You know, she was kind of like, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking. And I think the reason why it took me so long, 10 years to start taking something. Cause I was just like, I'm, I'm too strong for this. Like I don't need medicine. Um, you know, my anxiety is not that bad. I don't need to do it. Um, and I agree. Like some people have way worse anxiety than I do. Um, but I just was tired of feeling that way every day. Like I was tired of waking up and feeling tired and feeling unmotivated, feeling upset, feeling very um anxious at the drop of a hat like for no reason so I kind of was like I'm just tired of feeling this way so Mm -hmm. I went to my doctor I spoke to her about it um I talked to my therapist about it she agreed with me you know and she was very encouraging of it she was like there are so many people in this world who take the smallest dose of a medicine just take the edge off and they you know can walk around and just feel normal and that's exactly how I feel now (laughs) so um she put me on a medicine actually that my mom has taken for forever because she was like I am like genetically my mother in terms of all medical things (laughs) but of course anxiety and depression um so with my mom she had been taking Prozac for all these years so I take the generic form of Prozac now and I just take the smallest dose of it just to again, to take the edge off day to day. Um, and I feel like 10,000 times better. It is such a difference looking at how I felt a year and a half ago compared to how I felt now. And this is the best part about it. I think in my opinion, my mom said, she described it to me. She's, I said, do you really think I should take medicine? Like you think it's the right step for me? And she's like, I'm just going to tell you what happened to me. She's like, I was driving in the car with your dad. I was in the backseat, I think with my brother. She said that it was like the wizard of Oz and the world became color when it was black and white. And that's when she felt the difference with her medicine. And she's like, you know, it might not be the same for everybody, but she's like, that's what it felt like for me. And I 100% agree with her. That's amazing imagery. I know. Actually, it, I've yeah. never thought of I it. I know. Like it that. was such a like powerful thing when she said it to me. And I was like, if that can happen for me and I can feel that way, then I 100% want it. You know, then mm-hmm. I, I want that for myself. I, I have a question about something that you said uh-huh. um, that, that might lead to a, a slightly larger discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 and your mom, like you said, you're, you basically are your mom, and and I I, I know your mom, and I, I can kind of attest to that. Um, but you you considered her, um, I'll call it an, an affliction, just because I feel like I've used that word throughout this conversation, mm-hmm. to be more depressive, mm-hmm. whereas your yours is more like you know I guess anxiety mm-hmm. derived. But you're on the same medication. Yes. So how I guess this is another twofold question. At first, how was your mom able to identify what was going on with you mm-hmm. based on her experiences when hers was more more so depression, not anxiety? And why why take the exact same medication if your cases are different? So I think that she recognized because um, anxiety a lot of times can cause depression. Okay. Um, so I think that she recognized like the signs in me uh, with the anxiety. So she has anxiety and depression, I guess. But again, like I said, hers is more, in my opinion, depression. Okay. So, but I think she recognized a lot of it in me and the things that I would call about, call to her about, like when I was a freshman in college, like I would call to her, call her, and I would talk to her all the time. And I think that's, um, when she realized, um, that I had, like that I was feeling the same way as her. Um, and the medication question, I think that 
the one we're on. Like some medicines are different than others. Some target just depression, some target just anxiety, I think. But like I think Prozac is one that does both. And that's why my doctor recommended it because it can help with anxiety and depression. Also helps with like um, repetitive thoughts. And that's what my, a lot of my anxiety is. Like I think about the same thing over and over and over again. It kind of just like replays in my head. So, um, so when I was telling her I was having those symptoms, she was like, I think that would be a good fit for you. And like you were saying, Becky, like some people unfortunately don't have like the luck that I have. Like they take the medicine, it might not help. They might need a stronger dose or a different kind. Mm -hmm. It might not work for them. Um, but luckily it did help me. And that could, that could change over time. You know, time will tell, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I just, I know I've spoken to people that have like had horror stories about Mm -hmm. medicine and I want to make sure that that's known as well. Cause it's not like all rainbows and butterflies trying to figure it out. I, I have friends that, you know, them taking medicine caused them to go on like a downward spiral there. You know, they started to have nightmares, like Mm -hmm. realistic nightmares from it. And you know, because there's so many different types of medicine there for, is. you know, the mental health community that it's almost just like a, here, take yeah. this, hopefully it works. Here, mm-hmm. take this, hopefully it works. So, yeah. so that process isn't as clear cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so just be cautious. You know, I, I don't want people to hear this and be like, oh, wow, it's a miracle drug. You know no, what I mean? No, it's true. So there's, um, when I got the medicine the first time, there was a huge pamphlet of side effects in it. Mm-hmm. And it listed, like, I read it and I was terrified. It caused me to have anxiety. <laughs> the anxiety medication yeah. made you have anxiety. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I got it and it had a huge pamphlet. So then my doctor made sure to do, I think I went back, like, uh she checked up on me maybe a week into it and then like you know like she either emailed me on the portal I have with my doctor or something like that but I did like a six-week follow-up like that's why it's really important to have a good rapport with your doctor someone who you can trust and talk to someone who you've known for a while same with like a therapist Mm -hmm. you know because my therapist and my doc my doctor said check with your therapist my therapist kind of said like check with your doctor so they kind of like said like you know they kind of agreed on it too um so yeah, there's a lot of things that go into taking medicine. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I think that because my mom and I are so genetically similar, it did work for us. But yeah, genetics play a huge role in what um, will help. Also, your diagnosis will. So like, you know, for anxiety, Prozac might be better. But if you have like a personality disorder, if you have bipolar, a different medicine will work for you. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different medicines that target different things too. Um, yeah, so it can be a really tricky road, unfortunately, for some people. Yeah. Um but yeah, definitely um, precaution with that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Travel with precaution. For yeah. for those who might not be able to afford or have access to a doctor and a therapist, mm-hmm. as you just said, um, what are some other ways that you, you know, aside from, from that, that you've managed to overcome anxiety? Because I think that those ways are really important for people to hear about. I can attest to, to, <laughs> to watching you reading a lot of Brene Brown mm-hmm. and, you know, doing other things. But, like, talk about some of the, the other methods that you've, you know, uh, adopted. So I've definitely done a lot over the years. Because when I was going to therapy at first, I wasn't taking medicine, obviously. So she was trying to give me a lot of techniques to help me to cope with my anxiety. So one of the things was reading um, self-help books. That's something I kind of did on my own. And Brene Brown is a fabulous author, in my opinion, who is just, her books just speak to me. So I was um, down the shore with friends and I brought one of her books. It's called Rising Strong. And I took that book and I, I'm not a big reader by any means at all. Like, so this is pretty impressive for me that in one week I could read a whole book. And I read the whole book and it just spoke to me. It was all about rising above like your insecurities, your anxieties. It's all about being vulnerable. And it kind of, 
put words into what I was feeling because all I knew was I was feeling anxious, but there were a lot of other things I was feeling. Like I said before, I feel really shameful when I have anxiety. I feel very vulnerable when I have anxiety. So it put words and meaning to like what I was feeling. Um, and I was able to relate a lot to what she was saying. So I took that book and I literally, if you could see now, it looks crazy. I scribbled all over it. I wrote notes in it to myself. I wrote notes about things. Like I wrote like, oh, this is how I feel when this happens. Or, oh, I relate to this from this experience. Like all these thoughts were going through my head. It was just so inspiring to read this book. And it just talked about like, like, like I said, it put words to what I was feeling. And then it gave you ways to cope with that. So reading those self-help books and doing those things um, really helped me with that. Um, I listened to a lot of like self-help podcasts as well. I do that now. Like for the haters? Like for the haters. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I listened to that one. I listened to a bunch of other ones. I'm trying to think of, the, I think one is called like uh, the girl who wrote Girl, Wash Your Face, Rachel Hollis. She has a really good podcast um, just about life experiences and whatnot. Um, so I've done that. But so another big thing that I did when I was first going to therapy was she told me to keep a journal of everything that I felt. She's like, no matter what thought, cause like I said, my anxiety was a lot of perseverating thoughts. And she's like, I think it'll just be good to get it out on paper. So I literally had this journal that I was so, so ashamed to have mind you, but I just wrote every crazy thought that went through my head, every single thing, wrote it down on a piece of paper, no matter how crazy it sounded, literally my fears, my anxieties, my all these crazy thoughts just wrote it all down in a book and um I just kept writing it down every day and then I would go to therapy and I would kind of like go back through it and talk with her about it because a lot of the fears and perseverating thoughts that I was having had like a much deeper meaning to me so if it was a hypochondriac fear maybe I was just feeling certain ways about my job I was anxious about my job I was or I was upset with my family something along those lines you know so there was always something deeper than it so she's like so you know she would make me think about like why I was perseverating on that thought so that was a really good thing was keeping a journal. Um, and again, just like talking to my mom and being open with her, she was just such a huge help to me. I could tell her anything and I knew that I had no judgment with her. No, she wasn't ashamed of me. She wasn't, you know, I have such a good relationship with her that I literally could just tell her any fear or anxiety that I was having it, no matter how irrational it was. Cause a lot of my anxiety was super irrational. Like it was just things that would never happen or never affect me. Um, and so she really helped me through that too. So having someone that you can talk to is really great too. Someone who, you know, you can trust and that won't, um, have any judgment about what you're feeling or saying. Um, and if not, again, write it down that book because you can just write down anything and no one else is hearing it. You kind of just get it out of your head and you put it down. Mm -hmm. Um, PSA for any parent yes. out there that might have a child. Oh, no, seriously, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there there are, I'm sure there are parents listening or, you know, that, that have children that are going through this and might not know how to, how to be supportive. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. These are ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And just trying to do as much self-care. Like we talk about that so much in the world right now, like self-care for yourself and like allowing yourself to feel those feelings. So like, even though they were irrational, I would just kind of stop myself and say like, you know, I know this is irrational. I know I'm thinking about it right now, but I'm going to like not think about it right now and put it out of my head. So like I would just accept my feelings because like I said, a big part of my anxiety was shame. So I would feel so shameful for even thinking these thoughts or thinking these feelings mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. And so just accepting how I felt and just owning up to it kind of, and then saying, okay, but I'm not going to think about it right now and just putting it in the back of my head. So it took a long time for me to like work on those things too. And I still struggle with it, you know, day to day now, but it's a lot easier to manage now. 
mm-hmm. after all this time. Yeah, I think the um, when you talked about that book, it's it, there's like a bunch of fireworks that went off in my head because it's so important for us to be able to relate to mm-hmm. something. And, you know, that's kind of what we do here is, right. you know, give people a story that they can relate to. And that's basically what the book was for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you reading... It, it's not like it was just in your mind anymore. It was like someone else feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, you're not alone in mm-hmm. the things that you were feeling. And it's so, and it, you know, that's so important for people to be able to cope with anything is to realize that someone else has it. You know, someone else got through it. Someone else was you. Someone, you know, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So, mm-hmm. For those, I'm, I'm gonna look into the book actually. So, <laughs> she, she has so many books, and there's actually a book about like not feeling alone. I forget the name of it right now, but there's a book about like that everyone else feels the same way that you kind of do, and that you're not the only one who thinks that way. Mm-hmm. It's really Wh- great. What was her name? Brene Brown. Brene Brown, she's done a lot of TED Talks. Um, I think I sent you one, yeah, I think so. Too. And yeah. she's, I think she's like a she has a doctorate, like she's a doctor, so she's. She's just incredible. I love her books. <laughs> yeah, no, she's, I mean, or, or I watched the TED Talk and just texted you about yeah, it. I don't know what it was, but yeah. it was, but yeah, no, I, I, I haven't read her books, but I've mm-hmm. listened to the TED Talk and it was, yeah. she's I've bought in all of her books and I've only yeah. read, I, so I'm again, really bad at reading. <laughs> I've read like through like half of them and then I just stop reading them because I get distracted. But that, <laughs> that one though is just the best rising strong. It's so good for like rising above things. And it gives you techniques. Like I remember she talked about, and it's called box breathing. So you, and I do this still now. I love it you um so you think of us like a box or, sorry <laughs> think <laughs> try of, that again yeah think of a box or a square and what you do is when you go up you breathe in and you hold it for five then you breathe in for five seconds you hold it for five then you breathe out for five then you hold it for five you just kind of make a box and you go around okay yeah and it is so good when I'm driving and I have anxiety I just do that and it helps me so much so you're only it's kind of like a meditation like you focus on the breathing Mm -hmm. and you um you do this whole technique but she talked about it in her book and like it just spoke to me like I I was just like oh my god this is amazing you know so I really liked her books a lot yeah do you um do you get any anger from your anxiety not particular to be honest I get more sadness um yeah not not so much anger might be like a little bit impulsive at times like where I get really ticked off about something and Mm -hmm. it comes out really quickly but it's mostly just more sadness and my anxiety like um I kind of like hold it in more so it's all in my head so even if I'm having a ton of anxiety it might not be seen on the outside. At least mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, I don't know if people can tell you. You can tell me, Laura. <laughs> I've, I think there are certain phases in your life where you've been more fragile than others. Yeah. The last couple of years, not at all. Yeah. I mean, I think that you have, you have an incredible handle on everything. Yeah. I definitely feel a lot better than I had in years past. But I remember there was a night where I think we went out at Rutgers together. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, that'll uh, give anybody anxiety. Well, yeah, but I had so much anxiety that night. And, like, I feel like I was just, like, blank on the outside you know so like I I don't think anyone else could tell but on the inside I was like suffering you know so I hold a lot of my like feelings Mm -hmm. in when I have anxiety yeah so it wouldn't really come out so much like anger and whatnot are you an outgoing person in general like typically well I like to think that I'm an outgoing introvert you're an ambivert (laughs) 
Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've never yeah. heard of that. Yeah, an ambivert. Okay. Yeah, you could be you could be either. Like, oh yeah, when it's called for. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm like a little bit more kept to myself, but I can be in, outgoing mm-hmm. around like my friends and family and whatnot. Um, it just depends on the situation that I'm in. I think I'm more outgoing now than I used to be. Like in college, like it took me a little bit to warm up to being outgoing. Yeah. Because of my anxiety. Yeah, it's fun. It's just it's crazy how like different we are as people. Because mm-hmm. you know, for me. Um, I'm a very extroverted person, <laughs> like, yeah, right. like the, probably to like the max ex- mm-hmm. extreme. So like if I, if I'm suffering from anxiety or if I'm having, you know, anxious thoughts or whatever, like it's very apparent in my mm-hmm. attitude because I'm typically a very happy smile, like positive person. So if there's something going on, it's like right on my face. Yeah. Um, you are a- without question one of the most expressive people I think I've ever met. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it, even it, there, it's a it's a it's a gift and a curse. Um, but I was I, I was asking about um, anger is because I deal with anger based anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I make um, my therapist tells me it's because it's based off of fear. Like the end result, mm-hmm. I automatically think of the worst thing that's going to happen from that situation. So I get angry at the end result and like express my feelings. Mm-hmm from there and i do the same thing like i'm always like a thinking ahead like mm-hmm. the worst possible situation you get sad but i get sad yeah. i get scared angry. yeah i get angry and it's it's like scary mm-hmm. to see like if i'm in an argument with my friend or something like i'm one to like think of them leaving me so i'm getting angry mm-hmm. to begin with or if i'm in a relationship and like we get into an argument, I get extra angry, angry because I think they're gonna leave me. Mm. So I'm like based like my fear of them leaving, yeah. it like cause like I did, and it just like all comes out in anger. It's something I've worked yeah. on, but <laughs> but it's it's it just shows that every like you and I have anxiety about the same thing, but yeah. we react totally different mm-hmm. to it. So you never know like what's truly going on because like it might just appear like oh you're having an argument with you know your significant other, but then really in the inside you're just like terrified of them leaving you yeah but yeah so like you know from the outside looking in like everyone looks different with their mm-hmm. anxiety and coping with it too yeah yep. it's crazy it is it really is interesting it's interesting too because having been friends with you through all of these different stages mm-hmm. of, of our lives um you know i think there were i don't i would not consider us to have like a dramatic friendship by any means yeah no not really but <laughs> i feel like if we did have like a fight or two I, I didn't realize, like, everything that you were battling. Mm-hmm. So now, I mean, this is a PSA to me because it's like, no, 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 in all seriousness, because now I'm I'm going to, from this, I'm going to take and apply to other relationships that I have in my adulthood and realize that somebody might be, you know, mm-hmm. mourning the end of, of a conversation before we even get to the middle of it. Right. And realize what that means for them. Yeah, it's very so true. It's, and, like, back freshman year when I was having anxiety, Laura was someone who I would call all the time, which kind of speaks to that you're doing this, this now. Is, yeah, <laughs> full circle. But, um, but yeah, I would call you because you were like that friend who was like very non-judgmental and whatnot. But yeah, I probably, you know, again, like you said, like you said, you didn't see everything that was going no. on. Like, I don't think I told you everything that was going no, on in my head. Not. Yeah. I um, think if anything, I like mistook your fragility as, as being like, almost an, an offense to me like if I ever got upset it was probably because it was just like well why isn't she handling it the way I would handle mm-hmm. it and obviously I was like 17 18 at yeah. the time at 27 28 you obviously you, you you come to learn that to your point you got people handle things differently mm-hmm. but um 
but no, I never, you know, I, I think for as much as you shared with me, this was not something, like you said earlier in the conversation, you didn't even tell people that you'd seen a therapist freshman year. Yeah, no, not at all. I'm not even sure I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to jog my memory as yeah. you were saying that, and I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't tell people about that. And even in my adult life, when I started going back to therapy, and that was a big thing that, like, impacted, like, my, like, love life. Like, I was always afraid that I would meet somebody, and they would be, like, totally freaked out with the fact that I had anxiety, and that I was taking medicine, and I went to a therapist, and I was like, how am I going to find someone to love me? <laughs> like, I was, like, it literally, like, caused me to like be single for like i don't know 10 years six years let's um, talk about that yeah, i mean i mean there's a there's a rock on your finger so <laughs> yes, yes there is <laughs> so you definitely found someone let, let's talk about this that's that's wonderful i'm glad you brought that up before you do talk about it yeah. one thing i just want a sure. point i want to make is that if you're listening and are in college there's it's like nine out of ten times that there's free counseling at mm-hmm. colleges so take advantage of that if you're in college or if you have a child in college just let them know that that option is most likely available yeah. for them so and don't be ashamed to go no, like no. probably the majority of college students should be seeing a counselor. <laughs> like they should make it mandatory yeah. when kids go to college honestly because they could all use it <laughs> it's so true okay now you can talk about okay. the yeah. big ring on your finger <laughs> <laughs> well i just you know getting out of college and moving back home living with my parents like and dealing with all this anxiety of having a new job and, you know, what I was going through, like, I just had no motivation or will to want to date at all. Like, I I attempted, like, online dating and dating people casually, and I just, I had no will or want to do it at all. Um, so it really, like, like, I was single for a very long time just because I didn't want to date. And I just, I was so fearful that I would find somebody. And I, like, my biggest fear, I would go to therapy and I would say, how do I tell them that I come here? Like, how do I tell them that I have all these issues or that I'm anxious or that, you know, how are they going to deal with it? You know, and I just was so afraid that I would never find somebody who would understand what I was going through. Um, But luckily... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> luckily i was able to <laughs> I mean, roll, please. well it took me a very long time i guess i mean my fiance is the best person in the entire world tom um <laughs> but he and i met when we were 16 and he's actually kind of like seen me through all this um because my freshman year of college when i had a lot of anxiety like he was one of those people who was there for me like i would call him and i would visit him and talk to him and he saw me at my worst kind of like Mm -hmm. I remember we went to Rutgers for your birthday (laughs) and we stayed with him I had so much anxiety that night and he was just there for me like you know so he was just somebody who was there who didn't judge me and understood it and we reconnected almost two years ago now I mean we stayed friends through all that time but we reconnected and we started dating um and I was very open and honest with him because at this point I was I had started um taking medicine and he not he was the reason why but our relationship was like I said to myself I want to be the best self I can be in this relationship and I don't want to feel miserable in it because I want this to work out with him Mm -hmm. so that's when that was one of one of the reasons why I wanted to take medicine um and I didn't want to have anxiety through it and whatnot like I wanted to just be able to be like completely myself in it Mm -hmm. so um so he saw me like through all of it kind of so I kind of was forced to be honest with him about it so I just kind of started telling him about it like I just was like you know I go to therapy and I take medicine and this is like my crazy mind (laughs) and I drive him nuts 99% of the time (laughs) and he hasn't left me yet so um but he really is just like such a saint with you know 
accepting me for who I am and allowing me to talk to him about things. Like if I think I'm dying of a disease, I ask him about it. And like, it kind of like shifted from my mom who I still call (laughs) daily to talk about these things with, but to him, like I just tell him everything, every fear, every anxiety, every crazy thought that enters my head, I tell it to him and he totally accepts it for what it is, which is amazing about him. So, you know, finding someone who just really accepts you for you and understands you is really huge. And he definitely was that person for me. Yeah. Shout out to Tom. Tom is wonderful. Tom is actually, <laughs> Tom, <laughs> this is a story that I will tell my kids when, when. What's up? Um, can I have your phone though while you tell yeah. your story? I want to just look at the questions. Here, hold on. Um, no, Tom, Tom is wonderful. Tom is actually a friend from a different walk of life than Christina is. And I don't think you met through me. No. But technically you not. met through a mutual friend. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Anyway, they're, this is wonderful. And I... I know that I think you're underscoring the the point that you've bettered yourself for your relationship. But as I see it, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, you made the choice to better yourself long before Tom was ever in the picture. Definitely. And y- the reason why I, I love this story so much is because you made a conscious decision to take an active role in your life and to help yourself. And what came of it was like the the most amazing reward and i believe that god or the universe or whatever it is people believe in these days rewards people for the that that very thing the effort that you put in i definitely feel that way like i was saying to i think my mom or someone the other week like i have never felt more like myself when i'm with him and it brings me back to like before college when I had all that bad anxiety like that's what I feel like again like I feel like myself so being with him just yeah like you said it's the ultimate reward like I I I like to think that I worked very hard you did and I still continue to like I you know it's it's a work in progress like I'm never going to be perfect um it's not a thought though it's a fact like I have witnessed this no no no. I, I really want you to I would like you to know that as friend to friend but also for people listening like you put in so much and the return is well-deserved. Yeah. I I make a big effort to work on myself because I want to be successful in my life and my relationships with people, with Tom, with everyone. So if I'm not, you know, my best self and working on myself, then how can I expect our relationship to work? So, you know, I, yeah. It's very true. (laughs) No, it's very true. All right. Awesome. That was really, that was, really, sorry, that was, uh, that was really sentimental and nice of you to say, Laura. Yeah, thanks, but Yeah, thank you, Laura. <laughs> sorry, I was sitting here reading through questions because we're running out of time, um, and I want to make sure we get to some Absolutely. of our followers' questions uh, mm-hmm. for you. So, a lot of this stuff we did already go over. Okay. Um, and, but there are a couple questions that I do want to, want to ask, um, the one is, how can I best help someone else that's dealing with anxiety? That is a very tough question. Because again, we like we said, everyone deals with their anxiety and shows it differently. Um, and everyone reacts to it. But I would say, if you're the person who is dealing with anxiety, is open to talking about it. Um, just number one, being there for them, being a supporter, being just a uh, very good listener with them. Um you know, some people are more open to suggestions than others. Um, you know, 
So my mom, like I said, she was very gentle when she would suggest things to me. And maybe in the beginning, I immediately would shoot things down. Like she said, maybe you should talk to a therapist. And I immediately said, no, I don't need that. So she knew that I wasn't ready for it yet. So it's all about when that other person is ready. So mm-hmm. just kind of being for them in any way, shape or form that they need, I would say is best. Like maybe they're not ready to see a therapist, but maybe them just talking to you is their first step and that's them doing something about it. So by you being a good listener and letting them talk to you, you know, that might just be the best thing for them at that time. We're both here shaking our heads. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that was uh, definitely some great advice. Very insightful. Um, how do you, uh, someone asked, how do you start again after hitting rock bottom? Um, since I always overthink every situation. So it's definitely something that I do too. I overthink every situation. Um, and there were many times when I look back on the past, you know, 10 years of having anxiety that I feel like I've hit like that rock bottom. Like I said, with every big change, it brought about like severe anxiety. Um, so I think the first step again is just like allowing yourself to feel that way and being okay with it and like being kind to yourself and saying like, I, it's okay that I feel this way. I'm accepting myself for who I am with my feelings. And then just, you know, taking small steps to move forward. Like if it's seeing a therapist, it's seeing a therapist. If it's maybe just, um, being kinder to yourself by doing some self-care, reading a book. Um, Maybe instead of putting so much pressure on yourself to, I don't know, be perfect at your job, you know, being kinder to yourself in that way, you know, whatever it is that you're having anxiety about, just kind of taking small steps to like regain yourself and just taking your time. You know, it's a process. Like I said, like it's been 10 years now and I'm still working on it. You know, it's not going to change overnight. So just taking small steps and doing something for yourself, like one thing every day, to make yourself feel good, I think is a good way to go about it. That was another good answer. <laughs> another nod. <laughs> um, okay, we have time for one more question. Um, so exciting, this segment. <laughs> I know, I like it too. <laughs> um, what are the main things that got you to where you are, and do you feel better about yourself now? Um, well, yes, I definitely feel better about myself. Um, but again, it's a work in progress every day. Some days are better than others, but I definitely feel a lot better now after 10 years of looking at at everything that I've been through. Um, and what was that? Oh, who helped me the most? What helped you? Oh, what helped me the most? I think it's a combination of things. First and foremost, my mother, um, definitely being a big supporter of mine and being a great advocate for me and helping me through everything. So having a great, you know, family, my friends, um, have always been there for me, my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I think it's a combination of all those things. Definitely. Um, but I think having like a loving supporting support system is like the biggest thing that I had. And that was a combination of all those people. So yeah. Perfect. Um, I, we are running out of time, but um, I know that this kind of whole entire episode was filled with advice and giving advice <laughs> and especially with the last three questions. Um, but we do every episode like to ask our guests to give a final word of advice before we wrap up. So if there's anything you haven't said or some encouraging words that you would like to say, now's your time to do it. Um, I would just say be (laughs) kind to yourself. If you're having these feelings and you're um, upset, anxious, depressed, whatever it is, just allow yourself to feel that way. Be kind to yourself. Don't be ashamed of it. Um, And just, like I said, take the small step. If it's talking to a friend, talking to a family member, talking to a therapist, whatever works for you, just do that to help yourself. 
and you will get <laughs> through not. it. You will get through it. I like that you said that. Be kind, because that's like yeah. our that's like our second catchphrase. Yeah, be kind to yourself. Laura, any final comments from you? Um, yeah, I'm just so excited that you wanted to do this. I, I think that you are a leading example in this realm. Um, and there, there's just so much that people can learn from you. And I hope that they, they are. I hope they learned from it. I hope it, I hope it helps somebody. <laughs> I have, for whatever yeah, it's yeah, worth. It's, I mean, it's, ch- we love doing this because, I mean, selfishly, it helps us and triggers thoughts in our mind mm-hmm. um, and things that we need to work on and ways that we can help other people that we surround ourselves with. And every person that comes on here honestly makes us a better person. So I appreciate you for coming on and opening up to us. Of and course. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward maybe to a future friendship. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you would be able to handle going out with me because I'm very, like, anxiety-driven. <laughs> I can make people very anxious because I'm, like, all over the place. So <laughs> right. well, maybe I could help to bring down your anxiety. You, know? <laughs> you guys will balance each other out. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, well, thanks again for joining us another week. Um, if you're not doing so already, make sure to subscribe to our channel. Uh, we have our podcast. We ha- we put these on our YouTube channel as well. We have our Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Uh, reach out to us. Um, you know, reach out if you have any questions, if you want to talk or whatever it is. So, yeah. Have a good day. Have a good day whenever you're listening right now. <laughs> All right, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>